notorious athletic Mike League and my man decompose. Got flows, speaking of just like this, yo. Yes, yes, yo. Hey, the man got the vibe, yo. What's up and what's going on, everybody? And welcome to another edition of the Mad Nucleus Podcast. For those that don't know, I'm your host, Justin Felton. And for those that do know, I'm your host, Justin Felton. And again, thank you all for listening to the Mad Nucleus Podcast. And make sure you sign up to Spotify or Anchor. All you need is your email. And your password or make up a password and you're in there. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and do that. Okay. Today's episode is dealing with the last two weeks of football. And it's so much to talk about. You can talk about the round the league stuff like I did uh, last year. But um, I'm catching up on the first two weeks of football. But in particular, my football team. Last week was some surprises because it was week one. Anything goes uh, any given Sunday. And they were right because remember, at the beginning of the year, everybody is zero and zero. You know, now there are teams that are one and one, two and oh, and oh and two. But I want to talk about my favorite football team the San Francisco 49ers, since the majority of my audience, or probably all of my audience, are 49er fans. So without further ado, this is what we're going to talk about. Let's go back to last week when we played the Chicago Bears in a monsoon game. It was raining, it was pouring, it was everything. And, you know, I for certain just knew, just for certain just knew that we were going to activate Almost all, if not all, of our running backs and running weapons. That wasn't the case. I also thought we were going to um, 
activate our primary deep threat was not the case. And it dawned on me, what popped in my head was that our coach has an ego problem. He looked past the Bears. He looked at the Bears and said, oh, we got this. We can activate half of our roster and we still would win by a wide margin. The excuse was, when asked why wasn't Danny Gray activated, was something about special teams. Oh, we got our guy for special teams, so we don't need to activate him. Well, the same guys that was activated for special teams uh, this week was still activated, and you activated Danny Gray this week, and I'm going to get the this week's game in a few moments. But let's talk about last week. Um, the Chicago Bears against the Chicago Bears, we only had two running backs activated. One was our starting running back, Elijah Mitchell. Our number two back, Jeff Wilson Jr. And I think we did have a third back activated, but you wouldn't have known it because he didn't play. He didn't get any reps. Jordan Mason. Ty Davis Price wasn't activated. And I for certain would have thought that all these guys need to activate, be activated just for this one game because of the conditions. But that wasn't such. So let's dive into that. Now, I know we had just one hour game just yesterday. Well, remember, I'm going to last week and then we're going to go to this week. And then we're going to go in some other stuff. Okay. Last week, monsoon game. You start off the game, you know, with a pretty good game plan. You're getting your quarterback out in space. He's, he's making throws up the field. You're running the ball pretty well. And everything seems to be going well. The defense is doing well up until the second half where they started committing a lot of silly penalties that kept them on the field. And giving the Bears life. The offense was doing well. There was no penalties on the offense. There was a couple of miscues on the O-line. Uh, Trey Lance was uh, completing three or four deep passes in the game, which, were, which led the league last week in deep throws in the monsoon. But here's what happens. Okay, the defense committed some silly penalties. And it gave the Bears some life, especially in the second half. The O-line started to break down. Elijah Mitchell goes down with a knee injury, will be out two months. And Kyle Shanahan, being the so-called genius that he is, folded and panicked. Where was his plan B? Well, he ran Jeff Wilson Jr. nine times and he had 22 yards last week. But where was uh, where was the carries for Jordan Mason? He ran Debo. He, he he gave the ball to Debo about eight or nine times, and Debo did his thing. But Debo fumbled on the first possession in the game that cost us points. But he made up for with a touchdown. Uh, two possessions later, I believe. But what was? you know, his plan B for when Elijah Mitchell went down. No reps for Jordan Mason. 
Jeff Wilson Jr. just wasn't his day. And uh, they hand the ball to Brandon Ayuk on the first possession, and he picked up seven yards, so why not use him? You were using Trey. He was using Trey as a fullback in that game, and Trey had 54 yards on 13 carries. In fact, Trey accounted for about 80% of the yards. The team had a total of 331 yards total, and Trey had 208 of those 331 yards. The other uh, 123 yards was attributed to Debo and Elijah Mitchell. Yet you use your quarterback as a fullback and you got away with it last week because he didn't get hurt. But you did not utilize him right because you gave him the Jimmy G game plan, which is short passes, short slant passes up the middle, up the middle, up the middle, dump it off, you know, a bunch of, you know, dump off and dinking and dunking, but there was no no design bootlegs, no design screens, you know, no getting them out in space, no play action. You know, you stopped all of that. Kyle, what was your plan B? And that's on the offense. On the defense, like I said, they committed 11 out of the 15 penalties. That is uncharacteristic of this defense. Never heard of this defense committing 11 penalties over the span of about three games. But 11 penalties in one game, which proved to be costly. Um, Two blown coverages that resulted in touchdowns, giving them... giving them uh, 12 points off of those, uh, you know, because they didn't make the extra point. They didn't, um, giving them 12 points. It wasn't like Justin Fields played a great game, but he played a good game when needed. You know, there was no panic in them. They were taking advantage of the, um, they were taking advantage of the penalties and stuff, the miscues, the mistakes, the un, the lack of preparation, you know, the lack of discipline, and we lost. We deserve to lose that game, and it's embarrassing talking about that, but you know what? You know who got all the blame? Trey Lance with a lot of people because they don't like Trey Lance, and I'm going to get to that in a few moments later on. And like a man, he took the brunt of the responsibility, which he shouldn't have done, but it's the right thing to say. But I know better. A lot of you fans know better. And all you in denial know better. Meanwhile, Kyle gets a pass. He's a genius. Everybody loves him. The media, the analysts. Not one ounce of criticism from him. And I ain't talking about uh, last week's game. I'm talking about other games, bro. But, um, you know, I don't want to blame the weather on it. It was a monsoon, but there's a game plan for every type of weather. And honestly, judging by my experience of going to rain games, they're not pleasant. They're not pleasant to sit in and watch, and they're not pleasant to play in. I remember playing football in the rain, and you're worrying about the ball getting out of your hands, you know, because it's so slick. 
and you're worrying about getting footing and stuff like that, you know, you can't really run like you want to. You got to adjust your, your, your footing. You got to run a certain way. You got to hope you don't twist an ankle, you know, sprain a knee, you know, hips and stuff like that. Trust me, you're going to be hitting the ice bath and the, the hot tub, you know, after the game is over. That's just how it is. You know, I don't want to blame that, but it was crazy how, you know, it rained, it tapered off, and then it started really pouring again by the fourth quarter, and it seemed like Kyle just panicked. No plan B whatsoever. All right. They beat us 19 to 10. Okay. That was that was week one. And then now we're gonna go through all week the media scrutiny. The media scrutiny was mainly on one guy, the quarterback, Trey Lance, who accounted for 80% of the offense again, who was making throws that other quarterbacks was not making, but he got all the, the, the criticism because he lost. You know, every pass that he missed, he lost. He only completed, you know, less than 50% of his passes because... For one, he had to be rushed out of the pocket a lot because the O-line play was shady. And that's something else I'm going to get on too. I'm going to get on all of this if I can. If I can remember because my mind is everywhere. But all week, Trey took the criticism. And he actually got applauded for taking the criticism because it's easy to blame one guy. He shouldn't have did it, but it was the right thing to do. But if you break down the tape and watch the game again, watch what you missed and stuff like that, you would know that it was not all of his fault. What was his fault was he missed some throws. Some of them were easy throws. Some of them was, ugh. It could have been picked off and then he threw a pick. But what about the game plan? What about the defense? What about the, the lack of attention to detail, discipline, preparation? And something else that was pointed out. Kyle is two and four in his last uh, six seasons on opening day. He has light training camps. Guys don't play together. He he never prepares these guys. That is a kind of a concern. Though the next you know year he's with 5 and 0, 6 and 0 on get on the second games following the loss, which is good, but you can't afford to waste these games like that. It was only the game one, opening week. And, you know, a lot of people got in a frenzy. They got all panicky. A lot of you fans got all panicky. And, you know, you were wishing for Jimmy G to start. You got your wish. On to game two. Game two. Okay. We start off the game moving the chains. This is what we do. We move the chains. Kyle knows how to move the chains with any quarterback, I must say. And, and Trey was doing the damn thing, man. Trey, uh, before he went out, he got injured, for those that do know and those that don't know, you know now. He got injured and he's out for the year with a broken ankle. But before that broken ankle, he had two um, drives. And Kyle only passed three times. He went two for three. 
the pass that he missed on, two linemen had free reign at trade on what was supposed to be a design bootleg, but they they went too far out and and the the two D linemen had free reign at trade. Trey had to get rid of it and it went out of bounds, which was smart. But what was the blocking that on that play? Again, there's two other throws. The the, uh, the blocking was perfect, and he connected well, right on the numbers. One was a dump off pass, you know, kind of in the in the in the flat. The other was a uh, pass to Brandon Ayuk, a short pass to Brandon Ayuk, in which he turned into, uh, you know, a 25 yard gain or something like that. So he was making. The passes, they were on the money passes. He was making the right reads and he was doing pretty well. He was rushing also uh, three and four times for about 20 yards up the gut. That's how he got hurt. He got hurt breaking his ankle, rushing up the gut against a defense with a bunch of linemen instead of the nickel defense on third and, you know, whatever, because he probably would have had more space to run, you know, Less beef on his body coming down on him and stuff like that. And he could have probably made something happen, but not up the gut. You don't use him as a fullback. His all his runs, he was used like he was a fullback. And that goes back on Kyle. Kyle did not learn from when he had RG3. He didn't. He was doing the same thing in DC with RG3. Trust me, I know. Because where I'm from, skins, we get, well, which were, which were the Redskins, now the Commanders. We got, we, that's that's the games we got on Fox. And that's all they were talking about. In fact, he was, you know, the talk around the league because he was the first round pick and he was the rookie of the year. And his rookie year, he was a beast. But, you know, the next year, he was using them the same way and teams, you know, prep for him and stuff like that. And Kyle got him hurt doing the same stuff. Eight and nine rushes up the middle. And RG3 was not a big guy. RG3 was only about six foot, about 215. He wasn't a big guy. He was fast as hell, but he wasn't a big guy to be taking on them linebackers and them safeties and them D linemen. And Kyle took no responsibility for that. Nobody held him in check. The media. Nobody held him in check. Nobody. It goes back to what I said before. If you got a strong support system among analysts in the media, you can do no wrong. And when you do no wrong, you think you can do anything, even if you know it's wrong. That's Kyle Shanahan. I wonder what has he done for everybody to be so mesmerized that he can do no wrong. But the blame is on Trey. I'm pretty sure, and I guarantee you, somebody is blaming Trey for his runs. Like he needs to run better and stuff like that. That would, I, I would agree with you on that. Trey would need to run better. You know, next year, that's what he really should focus on. That and some other stuff. So this won't happen again. He needs to go watch some Colin Kaepernick tapes, some Russell Wilson tapes, some Aaron Rodgers tapes, and get an idea of what to do. Because what he's doing ain't it. He's, 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 he's hesitating. 
He's following the lead blocker, which is slow to, you know, pick up the blocks. And he's relying on one lead blocker to block out three and four guys coming at him. You know, he just needs to just go ahead and just run. But run out of bounds and slide more. But it doesn't help that he has a coach that doesn't know how to use mobile quarterbacks either. Back on Kyle. So, Jimmy G comes into the game and a lot of you got your wish. A lot of you were happy. A lot of you were celebrating tears of joy. Folks, he was only up three, nothing. So, he, so it's a third and six. You know, he dumps the ball off for four um, to... Who was it? Debo Samuel or Ayuk? And he has to fight for an extra yard, which was fourth and short. We kicked the field goal. Okay. Six and no. Okay, we go. Uh, we The defense stops. Them because the defense was stellar yesterday. The defense was mighty, mighty stellar yesterday. They pitched a shutout. Gave up no points. Didn't give up a lot of yards either. They had about the Seahawks had about four chunk plays max. No points. Kudos to the defense. So Jimmy G comes in the next possession and he throws a touchdown to Ross Dwelly. It was a... Um, was it a seam route or goal route on the sideline for about 12 or 13 yards? He catches it and he's running the distance. He dies for the touchdown, and boom. You know, of course, Jimmy's going to get the credit for it because he came in after his, you know, first two or three uh, passes, he gets the credit. He played pretty well yesterday, though he had some misses. He was trying to show, yesterday he was trying to throw the ball up the field to show that, you know, he can sling it. That's not his game. Everybody knows that's not his game. But he tried. He was willing to show us. He was. He was. He was like, "I'm gonna show you. My shoulder is okay. It's not okay. It's not there. It's not up to snuff yet. You can tell by some of his throws. It's not up to snuff yet. And he's never been a deep ball thrower. But he tried though. He was eager to prove people like me wrong. Jimmy, just stick with your game plan. If you want to keep starting in the league, just stick with the game plan and don't get all vengeful and try to be like Brett." Fav and, and, and Terry Bradshaw, okay? But, you know, we go up 13 nothing, And then we go up 20 to nothing on a um, Kyle Hughes check, you know, rush. You know, fourth, was it third and one or fourth and one? 20 to nothing. Halftime. Come out at halftime, we we moved the ball uh, again, and we're in the red zone. And the the <laughs> uh, special teams messed it up because we got we got three total turnovers in the first half. One, the special teams caused two was by the defense. You know, two interceptions on Geno Smith, and you know we get to the red zone on our next possession on our opening possession. And, you know, the kick gets blocked. And they take it back to the house for a touchdown. Again, second year in a row. And it's like, oh, God, is it deja vu all over again? And they started to play a little more expired, the Seahawks. They started playing box. They said, 
look, we can win this game if we play box against Jimmy because he's not going to beat you up the top. They were playing box and they stopped the run for two straight possessions. Jimmy wasn't making throws. And then I was thinking, I was like, is Kyle going to, you know, find a way to spread him out a little bit more? What is Kyle going to do? You know, is he going to trust the run or is he going to trust Jimmy? And he stuck with the run. The run got, you know, going again a little bit after being stagnant for two drives. And we have another long drive that results in a touchdown off of a four-for-one QB sneak. And we put the game away. The quarterbacks in this game don't get no criticism from me. They played well. Trey did well for what little time he was in there. And Jimmy did well enough. They don't get no criticism from me. So we're going to move this aside for a bit for a little bit. But what I want to talk about is Kyle being on the hot seat. People was like, here we go again. Kyle, what are you doing? I think it's no secret that Kyle really wanted Mac Jones. But Lynch had to tell him, look, if you don't want Jimmy, why are you going to get rid of Jimmy just to get somebody that's just like him, a younger, you know, less injury-prone version of him? If you don't like Jimmy or Jimmy G, what Jimmy G is doing, why go get a, a 2.0 version of him? And he was talked out of the decision by John Lynch. John Lynch said, you better go and get Fields, Lance, or Wilson. Because we weren't getting Trevor Lawrence. You know, so that left three other guys. And he chose Trey. Problem is, he really didn't have a choice. You know, he could have picked Zach Wilson, but it was something he saw in Zach Wilson that he didn't like. He didn't like something in fields that he didn't like, so he chose Trey, which he thought was the best out of the three. But the way he's coaching Trey, you know, Trey ain't going to last, man. And I don't think uh, Kyle needs to last because of it either. Because like I said earlier, it goes back to RG3. He's on the hot seat, man. And something else. Now, this is conspiracy theory type stuff that I've been seeing. People felt that he did it on purpose because he truly didn't like Trey. And I don't know if that's true, but, you know, if that's really his intent, if you injected him with sodium pentothal, the truth serum, oh, man, that's bad karma you don't want, Big Daddy. You don't want that kind of karma on your, uh, on your conscience. Again, Kyle's ego is going to cost him. His support system is strong and his ego is going to cost him. Let's, let's take a look at back, back to last year. Trey Lance has his first start against the Arizona Cardinals because Jimmy was out with injury the previous week against the Seahawks. Trey steps in against the Seahawks and he plays pretty well. The special teams was committing turnovers and Jimmy turned the ball over in the first half of that game and it kind of put us in the bind. I remember that game against the Seahawks. We were we had best time of possession and only came away with seven points. Second half we scored 14 points. But we couldn't stop turning the ball over. But Trey played well. So the next week we play against the Arizona Cardinals. And 
trade uh, 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 Kyle's game plan is to give him 16 carries, mostly up the gut. Some of them are, you know, out in space, out in the edges. But 16 carries, about seven of them up the gut. The rest was, you know, he was trying to run. and um, 16 design carries now for a quarterback. I want y'all to think about that. 16 design carries. Not 16 overall carries, but 16 design carries. Overall, when he ran, it was about 21 or 22 when he was flushed out the pocket passing. But 16 design carries. That's something that should be easily processed in your mind saying there's something wrong with that. What are you doing here? And we only came away with like 10 points in that game. We lost 17 to 10. The defense was doing their thing. You know, I don't think they got any turnovers in that game, but, you know, Trey was doing his hardest to try to, you know, follow game plan because Kyle doesn't give rain to the quarterbacks, the audible or anything else because Kyle wants to be in control. He wants to show people he's his genius, but that is not a genius move, Kyle. Okay, so fast forward. Jimmy gets hurt again after a bad performance against Tennessee. He starts in the Texans game. Now, remember, this was a must-win, a must-win for us to get in the playoffs. It was a must-win game. A lot is on the line. The young quarterback, you know, is it too big for him and everything? Early on, it, it, it didn't look very promising. He threw a pick in the first half. You know, we were struggling to get in the red zone up until the last uh, few minutes of the game when we were driving and we got the field goal. But, we were only down 7-3 because the defense was playing well, but the offense was stagnant. So the second half, um, and I'm pretty sure it is, and you can't convince me otherwise, but before the game started, Mike McDaniel pulled Kyle to the side and said, look, this is your future. You got to treat him as such. You cannot afford to treat him like a running back in a game like this because this is a must-win situation. Give him a chance to show that he's a quarterback and see what you get. But you cannot afford to run him like he's a running back. And by the way, Trey got hurt in that game. He had a sprained knee. Y'all remember that? He had a sprained knee. So the second half, we get it going. The playbook is opening. The run is getting going on. He throws a dart to... No, he throws, okay, we get into the red zone and he throws out in the flat to Elijah Mitchell. Touchdown. We take the lead. 10 to 3. You know, a few possessions later, you know, we um we, we kicked a few field goals. Um we're getting we're rocking and rolling. And you know, it's it's 16 to um it's 16 to 3. And then, you know, he throws, he gets him out in space and he throws a dart to Debo Samuel for the touchdown, putting us up 23 to 7. No, 23 to 3, or it was 23 to 10. And it, and it was ball game. Go back to what I was just saying a few seconds ago. 
He had Mike McDaniel in his ear telling him, you know, treat him like a quarterback, not a running back. And I know for certain Kyle was happy as hell that Mike McDaniel chose to uh, take the job to Miami because now he ain't got to worry about nobody checking him. No more checks and balances. Where is the checks and balances for Kyle? Who, who's brave enough to do it? D'Amico Ryans? D'Amico Ryans played in this league and was a very good linebacker. He should be checking Kyle and saying, look, stop that, man. But he's not going to do that. And look at what Mike McDaniel's doing down there with Tua and Tyreek Hill. He's 2-0. Had a great comeback victory yesterday. Had a dominant victory last week against the Patriots. I sure miss Mike McDaniel. He was the, the one guy that could save Kyle from himself. Now, there's no hope. Maybe Lynch, maybe Lynch can sit him down and talk to him, but he's, you know, I'm getting this thing that he's the one that hired Lynch as the GM because he was hired first and then he pointed Jim Lynch as his GM. I, I don't know. Maybe Lynch could talk to him. I sure ain't going to depend on Jed York or Parag. I ain't going to de depend on them dudes. They stand out the way and they're not as confrontational. I know for a fact if Carmen Policy and Eddie D was around. Trust me, you see a different Kyle. But they didn't have to worry about that because Bill Walsh was not that type of coach. Bill Walsh knew what he was doing. He came out of Paul Brown's system. Kyle is not Bill Walsh. He's not Bill Belichick. He's not even Bill Parcells. Why does he get a pass for his decision-making and bad coaching and other guys like uh, Matt Nagy and some of these other young coaches, Leslie Frazier, who are not a part of the go-along, get-along gang? Don't get. I just said it. Because they're not making friends and they're not a part of that go-along, get-along gang stuff. And that's sad. And that's the problem. Ego trip. Ego trip. Ego trip. Yeah. Kyle's ego will be his undoing. And many of you know it. Yesterday was a primary example. What has he learned? Absolutely nothing. And like I said, now to a lot of you fans, you got your wish that Jimmy is the quarterback now. But I'm going to tell you this, a zebra don't change his stripes. This team is quarterback ready. A quarterback roster all around, you know, with some few question marks. If we don't win the uh, Super Bowl, I won't say it was all on Jimmy, but he will be part of the reason why. Because he had two other chances to show if he could win the Super Bowl, he did not. The Super Bowl was um, in our hands. Um, Kyle stopped coaching and put the ball in Jimmy's hands instead of sticking with what got us there and boom. You know, we lose. The NFC Championship, same thing. He stopped running the game. 
stop running the ball, put it in Jimmy's hands, boom, we lose. A zebra is not changing his stripes. Remember, you got 15 more games and teams got plenty of film on Jimmy. The good defenses that we play will play box against Jimmy. We need to have all of those running backs ready. All of them. Not just two guys, but all four guys. If they're healthy, we need all four or five of those guys ready. The defense... I don't have a problem with the defense did its thing. Besides last week, the defense will do its thing. The running game will do its thing. But when it's time for Jimmy to make a few throws over the top, when teams play box, let's say you get in third and eights, third and longs, whatever else, can Jimmy do that? I've seen more than enough to say no. At some point in the game, you're going to have to participate as the quarterback. So with Trey, we went from 11-11, 11-on-11 football because he is a vital part of every defense's game plan. And when he went down, the teams that played us was like, we ain't got to deal with that young man. But when they see Jimmy, they're going to lick their chops and say, we're going to play the box against you and force you to throw the ball against us. Can he, coming off of bum shoulder and not so spectacular arm anyway no be real with yourself but as long as that run game and that defense is intact and on point he's gonna win you some games as i felt with trey but my problem is it comes down to kyle and his coaching his ego and him trying to show people how much of a genius he is will get him in trouble real talk many of you agree with this some of you don't some of you are so in love with the, the, the fact that you have a, 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 a so-called genius mind is that you don't understand a genius on offense is a genius on all phases of the offense. Start with the quarterback, the offensive line, running backs, and receivers. To me, Kyle Strimps has been the running game. That's what he knows. Passing game is, is, is average, but he can't do a whole lot because he don't got a quarterback that can pull the trigger and make all the throws. Now, that's going to be the excuse. But I was like, you know, he had a chance. We had a chance to get Tom Brady. And we decided to go, nah, 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 scared to take the risk. That's on John Lynch. Running backs come a dime a dozen, so he can find running backs in the third, fourth, fifth round, and boom, undrafted guys, boom, and they come in, they're getting, you know, let's say if healthy, each of them can get 500 yards a pop, and we would still lead the league with over 2,000 yards of rushing for the year. That's what he's known for. O-line, you know, he can scheme up some blocking and stuff, but pass protection has been meh. It's been average. It's been serviceable. It's been there. Yeah. And people talk about him like he's some sort of a quarterback whisperer. I don't see it. I'm sorry, Kimasabi. I don't see it. What do y'all see that I don't see? 
I told you when I when I give it to you, I give it to you straight. You know, so understand what I just said. Now that Jimmy is the starter, remember you got 15 more games up. Don't get ahead of yourself talking about Super Bowl because, you know, we've seen this before. Win a bunch of games, get in the playoffs, and he doesn't perform his best in the playoffs. Go look at his numbers. Overall, he has four touchdowns and six picks. But, but, but he wins, though. The team wins in spite of him a lot of times. As long as everybody's fully healthy, the team wins in spite of him. But, but Kyle's record or the team's record is bad without him. Again, injury history. The Niners have been one of the most injury-prone teams since Harbaugh left. Can't keep nobody on the field. And it seems like when Jimmy is injured, over half of the team is injured. Let's take you back to 218. When Jimmy got injured, a whole lot of other guys got injured to the point where we had to use C.J. Beathard, who went one and one or something like that, and Nick Mullins, who had to finish the year winning maybe, what, two games and stuff. But we were down to third, fourth, and fifth string guys down to the practice squad. And it happened again in 2020. They got all the criticism and brunt of the blame. When none of the starters even played. There's something else to touch base on. And people laughed it off. But. Jimmy G's support system among the team is very, very, very strong. Strong to the point. Is that is. Starting with the old line. We're going to start there. Last week, when Trey got sacked twice, none of the old linemen bothered to even help him up. They just walked off the field or got back into the huddle or whatever else. They didn't bother to help Trey up. Now, Trey got up on his own, but they showed a very disturbing video or a concerning video, probably not disturbing, but concerning. My bad for over-exaggerating. Was Trey got sacked and the sack was on Mike McGlinchey. That's who the focus was. Mike McGlinchey, instead of, you know, going to try to help him up, you know, after giving up the sack, ran back to the huddle. Yeah, Trey got up fast, but nobody bothered to help him up. Context, body language means everything, folks. You try not to read into stuff, but I've noticed yesterday, the old line got behind him, patting him on the back, and yeah, and this and this and this and that. It was one big party. His support system is strong. I do think Trey had one ally. One ally. That ally was Brandon A.U. I saw it from last year. You saw it in the offseason. They hung together. They like boys. His one ally is Brandon A.U. Brandon Ayuk didn't seem like he was too much of a Jimmy guy because he couldn't get him the ball. Brandon Ayuk likes to be out in space catching the ball, and he can do that. He's a pretty damn good receiver with potential to be even greater. Problem is, he's got a limited quarterback to work with now. He had a quarterback that could pull the trigger, but he's hurt. Now he has to revert back to, you know, running two yards, out in the flat, hoping to get the yak. You got to yak your way to get stuff now. Because Jimmy can't throw the ball up the field. Past the hash marks. But I've noticed that 
the team didn't really rally around Trey. It all looked good that they rallied around him after he got injured, but it just seemed so fake to me, man. Like it didn't it didn't seem legit or genuine. You don't want to see nobody get hurt. And some of those guys, I'm pretty sure like Debo probably felt bad because he was he was rocking and rolling with Trey too. I don't know if his relationship is as strong with Trey as Brandon A.U., but he was rocking and rolling with Trey too. So I think he what he said was really genuine that his heart breaks for Trey because he felt like he was getting something going. He felt that, you know, it was going to take a, a few games because he wasn't in training camp and stuff like that. But the rest of it just seemed so fake. And a lot of fans was fake along with it. I don't like to call fans fake and saying that they're not fans of it. But anytime you wish injury on a young man who's done nothing to you, all he did was bust his ass to get into the NFL to, to show people that he can play, eager to show people he can play. They hated on him. The analysts, the fans, the front office giving in the pressure. The coach, they're not doing him any favors. You're not doing him any favors. And it's bad karma. Yeah, they can rally around Jimmy, but I'm going to tell you, if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, they're going to be standing around going, what now? Because now the injury to Trey Lance has set him back. And you're really going to be doubting this young man. He's probably going to feel like he has to do too much to show you something, to show his teammates something. So what they going to do? I felt, I feel Kyle has ruined him. I really do. I could be wrong and I hope I'm wrong, but I do not trust Kyle Shanahan. Not anymore. I tried my Sunday best with Kyle. He has shown time and time again that a zebra doesn't change his stripes. He has shown that he's not willing to make adjustments, change up his style. But it's not all his fault. It's like I said, the media and the analysts never hold him accountable. They never hold him in check. They praise him and perpetuate him. Meanwhile, these players who go out there and try to execute their plays, they get all the criticism. And if you're going to give them the criticism, give them the credit. Talk about keeping the same energy, right? And I think that I've, uh, I mean, did I cover everything? Oh, yeah, I think, oh, yeah, good. other good news is we signed Dre Greenlaw to a two-year extension, which I think is good. Greenlaw played very well yesterday. He was all over the field, and he was making plays. He made up for the, the, the terrible penalties he committed last week because he's a good player. You know, he's not going to have too many games like that. Just got to hope he stays healthy again. The Niners have been one of the most injury-prone teams since Harbaugh left. We have been top five to top ten as most injured team since 2014. It's been ridiculous, bro. Your best ability sometimes is availability. Continuity matters. And how do you gain continuity? Keeping your guys on the field. It's not an easy task in a physical sport, but 
something I found kind of like concerning was that I found out that the staff hired a hockey guy from the Philadelphia Flyers to be the strength and conditioning coach. Now, naturally, you would say, well, hockey is just as physical, if not more physical than uh, football, but it's all sports are different in certain injuries, man. Like, for instance, in basketball, you got guys driving their, at your elbows, their elbows and your ribs and in certain parts of your body, and they're always sore. You know, they're bending their back to get position on guys and stuff where they used to. Or guys, you know, their feet are always hurting because they're chasing and stuff like that. You need guys that knew how to deal with that stuff. Football, you know, guys hit you in certain places all the time. And a lot of soft tissue injuries occurred in with this team, you know, on, on non-contact drills and stuff like that. I would attribute that more so to diet. Or that he's not giving them very good advice or something like that. Or how the way they exercise in the offseason or how they exercise when they get on the field. All these soft tissue injuries that keep occurring with these guys. You know, they're never it's never breaks and fractures or anything like that. It's soft tissue injuries like hamstrings and 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 you know uh quads and stuff like that. It's never, you know you know, hand injuries, you know, to, you know, broken hands or fingers or toes or feet or nothing like that. It's always soft tissue injuries that keep these guys out for the month. And then they end up going on the pup list being out two months. So that's something we got to look into as a team going forward. But do they got the fortitude to do that? I'm not seeing it with the front office. Parag and lynching them. They play it too safe for my, my, my liking. Folks, understand something. In this league, more than it ever has been before, your hand is forced to take risks. Way back in the day, you didn't have to take too many risks. That's why with so many conservative coaches and so much conservative play calling, very few guys, coaches, quarterbacks, what have you, took risks. But now you're forced to take risks more than ever. In fact, being too conservative is costly. It's the reversal. And I think Lynch needs to get with that program if he wants to continue to be a great GM. He's got to start pulling the trigger and taking more risks. That's one thing I can say with Carmen Policy. He always was looking to take a risk. Any player he felt was out there that could help win that team, he was going to get it or he was going to try his damnedest to do it. Believe that. And Eddie D loved them. They had a great relationship. Hell, they looked like brothers. If you looked at them side by side, they looked like brothers. And Carmen Policy, by the way, should be in the Hall of Fame. George Seifert should be in the Hall of Fame. That's a guy we never really talk about is George Seifert. He's like the forgotten ghost of the 49ers. They talk about Mooch, Mike Nolan, Mike Singletary, and everybody else more than they talk about George Seifert. And the guy got five championships total. He helped build, build the team along with Walsh and Carmen Policy. Eddie D, Bill Walsh, Carmen Policy, and George Seifert were the four horsemen that brought the dynasty together. Seifert won two championships as a head coach. 
three as a defensive coordinator, five altogether. He has all five of the championships, and he should get more credit. And he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because he has a winning record, too. Yep. I think I've covered everything. I think. Let me think for a while, but, you know, I just wanted to uh, get that off of my chest. You know, I'm a little annoyed at what happened yesterday, but I'm glad we got the win over the damn sea chickens because I can't stand them. I, I can't stand Pete Carroll and his smugness, and I hate their brand new ass fan base. But I also can't stand some of y'all Niner fans, man. Some of y'all Niner fans will flip on a dime. Some of y'all Niner fans never keep it real. Some of y'all Niner fans don't want to hold the coaches accountable. You know, some of y'all will not criticize your favorite player. Some of y'all will not criticize the front office when needed. If you call yourself a fan, stand up and say how you really feel and call a spade a spade. Personal and emotional detachments compromises your judgment and stuff. And I ain't here to tell you how to be a fan. I'm just telling you, you got to keep it real with yourself because, you know, that's all I'm saying. Be real with yourself. Be real about everything, man. All right. Let me wrap this up. And thank you all for listening to the Mad Nucleus Podcast. Again, I'm your host. And I'll see y'all next time. Until then, peace. Sounds painted to me. Uh, uh.